0: Hello. This podcast recording of Paul English Live Number 16, which went out on December the 21st, 2023, comes with a public audio health warning. The first 40 minutes are technical mayhem. It's an audio train wreck of the highest caliber. I've included it here purely for archival research and memorabilia purposes. The rest of the show is reasonably clean, but technically it was a bit of a challenger. You can probably tell. Anyway. Here comes myself with my two guests, Larkin Texas and Joss. Hope you enjoy the good bits. Well, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and all that kind of stuff. It's the last show. No, it's not, actually. I said this last week, isn't it? It's the last show before Christmas, not the last show of this year. That will be next week. It's Thursday. It's December the 21st, 2023. It's just gone 8 o'clock here in the UK, 3 p.m. in the US, Eastern Time. Welcome to the show.
1: Welcome to the show.
0: Well, hello, uh, welcome back. Uh, we're here for a couple of hours with a couple of reprobates. We're going to have quite a bit of fun. And uh, we're here on WBN324.zill, no more.com for certain listeners. WBN324.zill. because I've always got technical trousers to adjust. So we had a bit of technical trouser adjustment there. You'll know exactly what I mean. And uh, I'm here, as I said, with, uh, with two reprobates. We've got Joss who's was kind of local to me. Uh, many of you here uh, will know him through WBN324, but other listeners on other of the other of the networks will not know him. I'm also joined by someone I haven't spoken to really on a show for a long time. I don't know whether we've actually even done a show in the past. Lark in Texas. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. One day, my uh, my little fingers are going to actually work and press the right buttons at the right time. So um, uh, anyway, they didn't do it again this week. By the way, if you called in uh, or you were listening last week on Rumble, uh, you will have experienced uh, one and a half hours of complete silence. I think at right at the beginning, which is uh, always good fun, isn't it? One and a half hours of complete silence on the show, and that was uh, courtesy of me uh, messing things up again. Uh, so uh, it does kind of happen. But uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, we had a cracking show last week with uh, with Monica Schaefer, and. Um, That turned out to be uh, one of the most popular things we've done so far. A a few people picked it up and uh, republished it all over the place, which was great. So much uh, kudos to the people that did that. Thank you very much for that. Um, And uh, we had a lot of fun. I spoke to Monica afterwards during the week to tell her and let her know just how well the show had gone. And uh, as I mentioned at the end of last week, uh, we uh, uh, we will be having her back at some point in the early part of next year. Um, so that was pretty good. I don't know how your week has been. Mine's been full of lots of fun. We've got a slightly simplified uh, setup tonight. I think we have. Anyway, that's the idea. And um, so, if uh, if you've seen this, you'll notice that we are not going out on Odyssey tonight. That's not necessarily a permanent decision, uh, but I've been having a lot of problems with uh, streaming to Odyssey with the uh, with the setup that we've got, and. Um, we uh, we therefore have just decided to drop it. We've also, there's some other plans in play from another group that have approached me and let me know about a sort of independent video streaming platform. And hopefully in the early part of next year, that will probably kick in and uh, we will be able to stream on another platform as well. We are here on uh, WBN324.Zill, as we are every week. We're also going out on Freefall Radio, South Africa. Um, and I think that's kind of the housekeeping for this week, really. Um, I've got a few things to, uh, to cover and look at. I've got a certain little technical doodad going on here as well. But uh, I want to introduce uh, to the two guests for tonight. Loosely speaking, we're going to be talking about communitarianism, which is a wonderful word. Um, but I want to welcome to the show uh, Lark in Texas. And Joss, who's not in Texas, he's actually in jolly old Blighty in England. Uh, Not too far from me, actually. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank Thank you very, very much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hi. And Lark, are you with us? (laughs) Oh, he's muted himself so much. No, no, no. I was was muted. muted. I was was muted.
2: muted. Thank you for the invite.
0: That's okay. No, it's it's good to have you here. The background to this show... Um, we got a little bit of an echo there. Yeah,
1: I've just had had a message message from Patrick
0: Patrick about about that.
1: Echo Hell, Hell, apparently. apparently. Is it really?
0: (laughs) Hang on just a minute. Let me just have a look here. There's something going on not quite right. I don't normally get Echo Hell. Why would we have Echo Hell? On On, uh, on, Speak Free
1: Radio. Okay, Okay. hang on. Thanks, Joss. Yeah,
0: there is something not quite right. Hang on just a minute. Um... And I'm just going to try and figure out what's causing it, what would be causing it. Um, There we go. Is it gone now? Let me just have a look and check. I know what's caused that. Let me just check. One last little thing here, and I think we might be clean and ready. We are. We're clean. Sorry. Apologies to listeners on Speak Free Radio for that. This is to do with the fact that I've got eight thumbs and only one finger, and they tend to not work each week. So there we go. (laughs) Right. they just do they do it's something like that i'm going i, I want a producer i want one i want one to, I, in fact i should really write to santa and say can i have a producer please and uh, i didn't figure out quite what i'd done wrong there so how about that anyway gentlemen let's um, echo free and here we are welcome uh, lark i'm just going to start with you basically because you're the troublemaker here you're the guy that knows a great deal about communitarianism isn't that right
2: well, well, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that, guy that is, <coughs> is the thorn, thorn on everyone's, everyone's side. side. Oh, and yeah. have, and, been, and have, have been for, been about, for about 15, 15 years. years so. So. At, least At least publicly.
0: Right. Okay. So, I mean, the, the recent event that I'm aware of with regards to communica- communitarianism, I think it's probably why I saw a lot of posts from you recently, was the loss of Nikki Rapana. Was that earlier this year or was that last year?
2: That was, that last, was last year, year June, June right. 15th. Mm-hmm. She, passed, she, passed, she, passed, she passed at uh, age, 65. age 65. And, of course, and of course Nikki, Nikki Bukana, Bukana, uh, uh and her and daughter, daughter, Nikki, Nikki in, particular, in particular, were publishing online about the prior, prior to 9-11. 9-11. So... so.
0: That's quite a time back, and the, the originator, so we're going to throw a few names around here, so guys, if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, get on those search engines, but the guy with the very exotic name, who's responsible for this nonsense, uh, he passed away and shuffled off this model coil in May of this year, I understand, this is a chap called Amitai Etzioni, or at least that was his last name, I think he was born with a different one, wasn't he, but It ended up as Amitai Etzioni, is that correct?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I would say say he was the the, uh, communitarian communitarian guru, guru, at least least on this side side of the pond, and I suspect on your side side as well. well. uh, Yeah, he he was born born in Falk Falk, uh, in Germany -Germany, back back in, uh, I think, uh, early 30s, 30s thereabouts, thereabouts. and uh, And I think he lived lived to be 94. But but But, uh, he he and his family family emigrated emigrated to uh, to, uh, the nascent nascent state state of uh, uh, what became became Israel, Israel, to Palestine. Palestine. And uh, then he studied studied under Martin Martin Buber Buber, and and, uh, made his uh, way 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 to to America America in uh, in, uh, UC UC Berkeley about 1958 and then on to the League and the rest is history. So he founded the Institute of Communitarian... Uh, studies, uh, studies at George, at George Washington, Washington University, University about 1990, 1990 so, so when, the, when internet the internet was popularized, popularized in, the, in the early to mid-90s, to mid-90s the and the, the average yep. person, person around the world, the world could own a computer, own a computer and, and then, then the, world the world was first, first exposed first to the C word and the C, and the C, C people topic, topic. although oh, it, had, it had been had discussed, discussed in academia, academia since really the uh, 70s. Really the, uh, 70s.
0: Right. And the uh, communitarianism, the word, though, is a little bit older than, is it older than Amatai Etzioni? Was it a word that he acquired, or was it something that was originated purely for his little scheme? As it were? It's a big scheme now, but it would have started off in a particular way, wouldn't it? Is it an old word? How old is it?
2: Well, well it, it was it coined in English, English from, the from, from the French by, uh, by uh, John John Goodwin Goodwin Barmby. Barmby. Barmby, fellow, fellow Brit. Brit. In, uh, uh, in, in 1841. 1841. Yep. <laughs> and, and in fact, he even established a small series, series of, uh, of uh, what, was what was called a, called a communitarian, communitarian church, church for a time in England. And of course, he was a contemporary, contemporary of, uh, of uh, Marx and, Marx Engels. and Engels. But Engels, but Engels was his was his, uh, <clears> was his pal there in there Paris. In Paris. And, and in fact, it was. It was Barmby, Barmby, who introduced introduced, uh, Engels uh, Engels to French French communism, communism. right, or communism? So, yeah, the law of the the European European Union Union today today is known known as as communistarian French and and, and communitarian communitarian law law in the English, English. and and whether whether you. are an are EU, a EU country, country or, or not? not. This, this is, is the model, the model legal, legal underpinning, underpinning for what we call global governance f- today in a, a, a hyperconnected hyper world. world. So no so matter where you where live on Earth, on Earth today, today, it is a law, law which is which being interposed, interposed onto your, your national laws.
0: laws. Right. So why why should we be so super concerned about it?
2: Well, well, uh, I, would I would say it's the camel's, the camel's nose under, under the tent, the tent. Uh, for, this, uh, for this, this, this one sentence, sentence which, you which you may have, have to mull around and noggin there, for, there for, a for a minute or two. Or two. But, the, but fact the fact is, is, is under is communitarian, communitarian law, law no, no one, one has, has rights of any, of kind, any kind, which, which are unaccompanied, unaccompanied by duties and responsibilities. So there lies the rub. When I say the camel's nose under the tent, no, one, no has one has rights, rights under communitarian, communitarian law which are, which are accompanied, accompanied by duties, duties and responsibilities. And you're so never, never going to get a more simpler, simpler explanation, explanation than, than that, right, right there. Right there. But, it but it explains a lot right of uh, what, is, what happening is happening in the world today. Uh, it, has it has everything, everything to, do to do with domestic, domestic and foreign, foreign policy. policy. And, and uh, because, uh, because, again, the, the International, International Court of Justice at the Hague practices communitarian hey, law. Everything, everything about the United, United nations, nations is communitarian, is communitarian law. law. Uh, everything, uh, everything about America, America and Canada and Australia and, Australia and all, the, all common the Commonwealth countries, countries. Uh, all the, the formerly capitalist nations, nations all, the all the formerly communist, the communist, communist nations. nations, it's all it's communitarian, communitarian law, law because, because the fact is, is, that, is that capitalism and, and, communism, and, and communism both, and communism both and and have been branded. But, but of course you and I didn't get the memo.
0: Right. No, we didn't. Josh, you interview I, I need you guys to talk a little bit because i've still got some technical issues going on here and i don't for the life of me know quite why we've never had this before i'm normally pretty hot on this stuff but obviously not today so i'm having a lot of fun josh you interviewed uh, while you have a chat with lark and move the things on i'm just going to mute myself here and just try and check exactly what's what's causing the problem if you guys could just have a chat for a bit i'll be listening in but i'm just going to try and short that sort that out
1: Yeah, sure. sure. Well, well, I'll I'll, I'll just just introduce introduce myself myself first first of all. all, um, If 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 people people are listening on uh, Rumble, uh, Rumble, I'm 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 WTFR, WTFR. for those (laughs) those who who don't don't, know. And and, uh, you you can 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 catch my show show on uh, on, uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays on WBN as well. So we're kind of, Paul and I, we kind of skip along merrily during the week and really nice to be invited on. Um, to, to, to do to this, this as well, um, but, but yes, yes, going back, going back to, to uh, LARC, like, uh, like, I've, I've, I've been aware, aware of uh, communitarianism, communitarian, communitarian law for, uh, for a time, but I thought but it's, it's one it's of those things, things it it's it's never really comes the, to the fore, uh, uh, people, people talk a lot about the symptoms. symptoms. Of, of what's, what, what's going, going on in the world. In the world yeah, you know, oh, my goodness, goodness, we've got we've got, we've, got we've got drag, drag queen, queen story hour, hour, hour and uh, uh, you, you Les Cameras in the, 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 the UK <coughs> popping up, popping up, all, up all, over all over the shop, the shop and uh, uh, gradually, uh, gradually we're, we're watching, watching this, this infringement, infringement, encroachment, encroachment upon, upon our freedoms, our, our, freedoms, rights. our rights. But what's causing it, what's behind it, and this word communitarianism keeps cropping up, so I, thought, so I thought, you know, it's like an like annoying, annoying fly, fly buzzing, buzzing around your head, it, and you keep, and you keep swatting, swatting it away and it keeps coming back, back, it. back it's it's like, like, What the flipping heck, heck is this thing? thing? Okay, okay, right. right.
2: Let's, Let's find out. So I did so a I bit did of digging, digging
1: and, uh, uh, spoke to one or two people, and I found myself led in the direction of Lark in Texas. And I thought, and I well, thought okay, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll um, check out, out the, the, the blog. blog. And by, and by the way, by the way uh, let, let me I'll, I hope I get this right. It's tinyurl.com forward slash lock in Texas is the easiest way to find yourselves onto uh, Lawrence's website. And uh, lots of interesting info on there. Uh, good explanation. It will take time piling through stuff. I still haven't been all the way through it. I've I've looked at quite a bit, and uh, off the back of it, gone down the odd rabbit hole or two. I, I expect we'll get to that, and this is, you know, part of the reason um, I've I've not uh, been in contact with. Uh, with you, Lawrence, for a while, because I thought I, I need to try and get to the bottom of certain things and origins of certain things to, uh, connected with uh, communitarian law. Um, so I think I, I would like to say I, I remember when when I had you on the show a couple of times a few few months back. Uh, the subject came up. You said that communitarian law is based on noahide laws and uh, i could, i could say i could almost feel loads of people going oh my goodness oh no they're they're going there they're going there but it's i'm i'm just stating this very matter of factly and i remember you saying that and i and i thought to myself i don't even know, let's let's find out what noahide law is and there's seven of them and in and of themselves, they don't look that bad. So, I'll, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to hand over to Lawrence, uh, unless unless Paul wants to chime back in. I'm, I'm not stealing your show, don't worry. Um, but Lawrence, first impressions, Noah Hyde laws, bar one of them maybe, don't seem that bad on the face of it perhaps could you could you expand on that because I, I have done some research here please go ahead
2: well you know uh it's fair to say that the base for communitarian law is actually talmudic law as informed by uh kabbalah however however it's it's, however, it's, it's, it's just as fair to say that it is canonical and ecclesiastical as well and so when we talk about the noahide laws uh to ask ourselves is this something that's extra biblical or just what and uh there there are people that have written uh quite a bit about this topic but uh, uh, uh i'm informed by the fact that in the u.s for example in the supreme court today we've got actually more uh Jewish people than we do Catholic people, and we have no Protestants sitting on the u s Supreme Court and the Chief Justice is actually a uh, uh, is is actually a homosexual so uh, there's there's much that I could add, but i 'm not sure if it would be useful. The important thing to remember about this law is that you know, ever since the uh, establishment of the world of the National Council of Churches by Rockefeller in the early part of the twentieth century, this, of course, morphed into the World Council of Churches. And we had many examples over this time period of uh, interfaith dialogues occurring around the world. And uh, I like to point to the so-called Dresden Manifesto of eighteen eighty two. For the listeners, so that they could, they could see that at one time, in the, the late 19th century, the Christians around the world decided to convene in Dresden, Germany, and talk about this so-called Jewish question, and uh, what did that portend for the faith and for the world at large? So the answer to that. Uh, would, in my estimation, be what's called the Columbian Exposition of 1893 and the convening of the world's first parliament of religions. So if you look at those two dates, you notice that they both were September 11th. And it also helps explain Mm. how it is that Dresden experienced the uh, massive uh, aerial bombardment uh, in World War II, would we think that was revenge? Because, of course, Dresden didn't really have a military uh, purpose. So the Allies' uh, bomber Harrison crew basically destroyed uh, Dresden, Germany, but for no other reason except that this is perhaps where this Dresden. Uh, conference was convened, which, if you do a search for the Dresden Manifesto, you can read it yourself on the internet. Likewise, can you do a search for the uh, 1893 World Colum- uh, 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 World's First Parliament of Religions? That was the Columbian Exposition, the f- famous White City in Chicago in 1893. But it's gone. It's gone uh, further apace uh, to today. You know, you have a contingent of uh, Jewish people that are promoting what's called tikkun olam. And uh, so, in their way, they hope to repair the world. And uh, what I have noticed, uh, yes, yes. Uh, we, now we now have... have now we now the Vatican and the current pope is a communitarian. In fact, I would say that ever since the World War II uh, pope, pope passed, passed away in 1958 fifty has been, it's frankly, frankly, the, the, the Christ, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic Church, Church and the Vatican, has like like been, been controlled by, by uh, uh Jewish bankers, banking, banking interests. Interest. So I don't know, That so I danced, I danced around, around that a whole, a whole lot, lot. Joss. It's It's, it's
1: really difficult, isn't it? It, it, It's such a sensitive sensitive topic. topic. Um, Um, I've I've, uh, I've, I've I've done done a bit digging digging into... into, I've I've listened listened to various various lectures on the the Cabala on... on, um, Oh, what's what's, what's what's the other thing? Obviously, there is a very controversial uh, book, which... Yeah, not going to go there, but there is a book... The with the with the letter T, I'll, I'll say that. that. Um, and uh, there's not the Torah <coughs> or the <or> Tanakh, <coughs> but, but uh, uh, there's uh, also, also there's the Zohar. Zohar. Uh, the uh, no, no, the Zohar, Zohar, I thought was, a, I thought was a, a, an, an interesting, interesting history to, history history to, it. to I've, I've tried, tried to do some, do some digging, digging objectively because, uh, you know, I've, I've got to say, I know Jewish people tend to get it in the neck and i like to think that as with all people 99% of them are just regular folk who want to get on with their lives but then there's this nasty bunch who as with with all situations you know they they give everybody else a bad name and i'm i'm trying to be as fair as i possibly can and you know you know not not get people in trouble kind of thing it's 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 important to try and do your homework but uh, presume uh, innocent until proven guilty as far as as possible and I think that's very important but I've, I've been trying to get just try to get a feel of what would cause certain people's minds to tick in a certain way that they think they've got the right to rule over uh, everyone you you, you, you know and I, and I do think it's a it's an extreme minority uh, but if if you're brought up like that and it's it's all you've ever known, um, the the only way of thinking you've you've ever understood is that you're superior to everybody else. It's it's I mean it's it's uh, very unfortunate. I'm, I'm being I'm being very very generous here. It's very very unfortunate for all victims of this, including those who have been brainwashed with this ideology, because it's kind of not their fault. Uh, there is a, there's a nescience about it, not knowing. But then surely when one finds out truth, you should seek to put that right, because you're no longer nescient. Nescient means not knowing, as opposed to ignorance. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort of uh, paint a... Paint a thing here, in in fairness to the greatest number of people, but we do have this uh, this this situation. So I mean, Noahide laws. I, I'd, for, for those who don't know what they are, um, I'll just uh, let me. I, I suppose I I could just uh, read these out straight from. Uh, I'll use Wikipedia is uh, number 1 is do not worship idols number 2 is do not curse god number 3 is do not commit murder number 4 is do not commit adultery or sexual immorality 5 is do not steal number 6 this was a bit ambiguous not do not eat flesh torn from a living animal but you could interpret that as okay kosher uh living uh that's having life blood in it, so I think there's some of that and number seven is to establish courts of justice so when you read them in and of themselves, you think well what's what's so bad about it? but as with all things you can you can interpret uh things for the good or the bad in and of itself, it's probably not a bad thing. Well, the thing is, uh,
2: the, you know, first of all, uh, the average Jewish person is, uh, he attends a Jewish summer camp, he goes to yeshiva school, Uh, they have a history of uh, uh, living in ghettos in Europe, European history, and uh, they stick to themselves, they are, they have this rather us versus them mentality that I think is part of their uh, socialization in this world. And the other thing, too, is we need to be apprised of the Jewish way of argumentation, which is similar to uh, the Catholic way of argumentation. And uh, the Catholic way of argumentation, uh, or thought processing, if you will, is is called casuistry, spelled C-A-S. U-I-S-T-R-Y, but its, its uh, counterpart uh, amongst Jews is known as Pilpul, and that's spelled P-I-L-P-U-L, Pilpul, and I would suggest for the listeners that a good way to get to the bottom of this is when we talk about uh, language and we talk about argumentation and forms of, read something called Pilpul for Beginners. Just do a search, P-I-L, P-U-L, for beginners. And then realize there's a lot about the language itself which, uh, uh, which lends itself to something that we can call interpretation of meaning. And I like to hearken back to words like exegesis and eisegesis, heuristics, hermeneutics, uh even algorithm today interpretation of meaning but especially casuistry and pill uh to get a flavor of what we're talking about here and i think when you first when you read these uh uh, seven noahide laws out remember these are laws for the noahides so so so-called so you got to know what the heck they mean by a noahide uh they are for the people that are actually termed Gentiles uh, amongst Talmudists. And uh, so they have certain mitzvot uh, that they have to abide by, it's said. But the Noahides or the Gentiles only have seven. And these seven all lend themselves to expansive interpretation of meaning. So that's the important thing to understand about communitarian law as well, is that because communitarianism is a uh, modern flavor of totalitarianism, it's precisely what it is, they have to have a language which is entirely malleable. For example, if you're the warden of a of a prison, uh, your word is the law, right? And uh-huh. so, if you're if you're one of the inmates, well, that's the way communitarian law works. Because understanding that there's uh, lots of uh, malleability within uh, the language, and then recognizing that. Uh, <clears throat> uh they just have to have and they demand maximum flexibility when it comes to interpretation of meaning and that's why the sentence that i put out at the beginning uh is so important because they take advantage of this thing called interpretation of meaning and they use it and they wield it like a weapon against the people themselves. So I know that sounds a little bit oblique, perhaps, but uh, everything that I've learned about communitarianism and communitarian law allows for maximum flexibility when it comes to interpretation. And uh, this is why it's so dangerous, because it is a system of totalitarianism. When you control the language and you control the narrative, and you also control the interpretation of the letter of the law when you uh, wield so much uh, power and authority in the world of custom and use, because that's just what law is. Remember, there, the Jews very often consider that the law is the Talmud and that, the, uh, that Judaism itself is really nothing more than the law, which has been religionized. So that's how Jewish people look at the law. It's the Talmud. And it's the supreme law. It's the superior form of law. So if you're a jurist, or if you're a law student who happens to have been raised Jewish, actually, you're going you're to look at all the language of the law. <coughs> there are thousands and millions of words to consider, uh, no matter which body of law. Uh, and you're going to compare it to what you consider that which is superior. And so when I discovered and started doing my research on communitarian law, because I was quite curious about it, uh, I don't much like the law, I don't have a whole lot of uh, admiration or even respect for attorneys, uh, let alone doctors in in our modern world, but I stumbled upon the law review for Brigham Young University here in the States, and Every university that has a law school has usually something similar that you can usually go on the Internet and you can review. And in the case of Brigham Young University and their law school, their law review so-called, a lot of these uh, uh, correspondences and uh, dissertations go back all the way to the 70s, which is quite useful so you can learn where this word communitarian first popped up and you're going to find it quickly as having popped up in the 80s and the 90s and then uh you wonder why you never hear it in um polite society in in uh popular speech everyday speech uh, you don't hear it on your on your telly you don't read it in print well that's because in the last 10 years or so uh, most of the google alert searches for that word communitarian or communitarianism or in reference to communitarian law have literally dried up in favor of what is called i call communitarian code speak and some will call communitarian buzzwords you notice i sent you and paul an email to so you can see the flavor of that and it's simply i'm called, still here uh, by the way Oh, I like Paul. Glad to
0: hear it. <laughs> uh, guys, I don't know what I've done without you tonight. Um, I just, uh, although this is a pointless uh, sort of apology to everybody because they can't hear me, um, and I have no idea why, and um, I thought I was going to end on a technical high and it's it's actually really rather comedic. I've been listening to everything you've been saying, but there's something very, very bizarre going on. Which we've got signal being sent out without any indication, and we've got other things indicating that a signal's going out without any sound. So it's a hilarious, fun thing. I don't think I've ever had it so cocked up. I was going to apologise to the people on Rumble. Uh, but there 's probably no point because they can 't hear me, and every time I make them hear us, we we have the wall of the wonderful wall of echo, something which i 've been fastidious in avoiding for lots of people that i 've helped produce shows. But I cannot, for the life of me, find out where this is so um, they 're currently only hearing me on Rumble. So my apologies to everybody on Rumble. My advice is for tonight. Uh, head on over to wbn324.zill. You might need a special browser to do that. Or go to Freefall Radio, South Africa. The link to that is on the homepage of paulenglishlive.com. If those don't work for you, go over to Speak Free Radio. They're picking it up by uh, a distance report as well. So that seems to be going okay. I probably, I think that when I speak, I'm generating an echo. Let, let's, I'm just going to find out. I'll just hand back to you again because I'm still trying to sort things out. Okay,
1: um, where
0: goodness, where were we going?
1: Uh, but <laughs> about the, fa- failing all of that, try a baked bean can and a piece of string. You should be able to pick it up or, or something somehow. We'll reach the masses. Um, where we, uh, Lawrence, you, uh, you, you, yes, you, you, you were talking about uh, kind of the the origins of. Uh, communitarian law, um, hunting around, find it in the, the 70s and 80s. Perhaps, I don't know where where do we where do we go where do we go from here?
2: <laughs> when we when we talk about law uh, yeah. in general, uh, I don't think that you can separate religion, philosophy, uh, economy, and law. Uh, all separation is really just an illusion. And I'll I'll tell you who pretty much said as much is a gentleman by the name of Harold Berman. Harold Berman was a law professor at Harvard University for 40 years and uh, 20 years more at Emory University in Atlanta. So now he passed away just a few years ago, but Harold Berman... Taught American law students, 40 of them, 40 of those years in the Ivy League at Harvard, for 60 years. And if you go to his uh, Britannica or Wikipedia entry on the internet, for instance, you'll see that he, in his time, was a noted Soviet legal expert. So, what is it that a Soviet legal expert is teaching American law students? For 60 years and what we learn is that mr berman was he spoke often of the western legal tradition the western legal tradition so in his mind it wasn't really only just about the, the time of the ancient greeks coming forward it wasn't strictly about the common law it wasn't anything uh, particular about uh, anything having to do with what we normally uh uh equate to the western canon of historical law and how it's come about so he didn't speak about constitutional law and you can talk to attorneys today in the states and they none none of them and that's an elective course to learn anything about the u.s constitution Uh, Most Americans think that's the basis of their law, and they have rights and so forth and so on. But what we have seen since 9-11 and the creation of the Department of Homeland Security here in the States is uh, all law enforcement in America has come under the rubric or the umbrella of this one new agency called the Department of Homeland Security. And when you think about the people that were brought on board to consult with its creation prior to 9-11. We include the likes of people like Evgeny Primakov, who was the chief spymaster of the uh, former Soviet Union. Uh, we've got people like uh, Marcus Wolf of the uh, East German Stasi. We've got Herman Goldstein, who uh, was the uh, Midwestern American uh, professor who... who who developed what was known as POP, or P-O-P, Problem-Oriented Policing, which morphed into COPS, another acronym which stands for Community-Oriented Policing Services. And then you have a gentleman by the name of, uh, uh, oh, I have to think of his name. Uh, he, He developed something called Learned Helplessness Theory. And so when you talk about how policing developed in uh, England, for instance, we think, we think of the example of uh, 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 Robert Peel or Sir Robert Peel and the development of the Bobbies and so forth and so on. But today we have a different uh, form of law enforcement in America and the law that they are enforcing is communitarian law. And why is it that Americans, for instance, don't even know what it is?
1: Mm, it's it's interesting isn't it and and I think going back to what you were saying earlier about uh, interpretation of words <coughs> we, we've got exactly the same thing with Black's Law Dictionary you know a lot, a lot of people who've taken an interest especially in the last four years nearly since all the uh, you know the, uh, a certain flu that uh, might have happened in the you know, allegedly in China, um, and uh, all the fallout ever since. A lot of people uh, v- were, were fearful of losing their rights, and everybody's had a crash course on this thing called common law uh, and uh, natural law, etc. And, you know, common law, natural law... Uh, they can be traded away (laughs) unalienable there is one letter difference between inalienable and unalienable and that is the letter i replace it with a u inalienable becomes unalienable think of it like that and the the unalienable rights are god-given rights that cannot be taken away so it is individuality and, yeah. Uh, it, uh, the other
2: the, the other thing noteworthy to mention is that they, uh, uh, I mean, these are inherent uh, rights, unalienable rights. And the other thing that's important is that they cannot be traded away,
0: exactly.
2: whether you att- whether you attempt to do so or not. And before I forget, the name that escaped me earlier was Martin Seligman, uh, right? Who d- who developed the learned helplessness theory, which was of course of course adopted. Uh, by the communitarians with their uh, communitarian law enforcement even the u.s coast guard today is brought yeah. underneath this this uh, aegis of communitarian law and again most americans have never heard of it but uh yeah the uh the interesting thing about if you look at the lincoln memorial there in washington dc uh the word inscribed is the word inalienable But prior to the American war between the states, uh, the watchword of the day amongst the colonists, the Americans, was unalienable. So it's interesting that after the so-called communist revolution, which was the war between the states and America that was won by the communists, uh, America became a communist nation. And uh, the words inscribed on that Lincoln Memorial, who was the first Jewish president under the Constitution, by the way, uh, is now this word inalienable. So these are rights which can be traded away. And the other thing, too, about communitarian law to understand is that uh, uh, involuntary servitude has always been illegal. in most Western countries in the 20th century but voluntary servitude is very much league so you have to ask yourself you have to examine all your contracts in terms of your relationships with the rest of the world and so you have to ask yourself well how many have I voluntarily assented to even signed on to and uh, so what's going to have to happen to Break this uh, uh, bondage is everything that causes us to be uh, slaves. Uh, if it's you know, we're, first of all, we're talking about the money. We're, we're talking custom and use, right? Custom and use is everything having to do with the law. So we have to examine religion and philosophy and the economy, and things like currency and money and everything else which are uh, contrivances of man which are absolutely not natural. But what I have been researching the past several years that is interesting to me is this thing called language itself. Because, see, language is also a tool, just like money is a tool, or both being contrivances of man. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves, well, which contracts do we need to break in order to reverse this panopticon this or uh, reverse engineer this spell that's been cast upon us that's put us into bondage and it has to do with language itself because slavery begins in the mind and uh, language itself is a construct of man now a religionist will say differently perhaps but uh, there's no question that uh, money itself is a construct of man. And uh, in this country, uh, the, uh, the federal government has been in bankruptcy since about 1933. And when FDR came into office, uh, the, the administration was just crawling with communists. So when we look back to World War II, just as for example... Uh, what did we have? We had uh, FDR in the U.S., we had Stalin in the uh, USSR, and we had Winston Churchill in the, in England. And uh, all three of these men were, were Jewish.
0: Mm. What Mr. Churchill what Mr. was?
2: Yes, his mother was uh, 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 Jenny Jerome. I just thought he I'd join you
0: on your show, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Glad you came back.
0: I want you to I'll know this far. is uh, this is the king of uh, technical cock-ups. I'm not going to bore everybody. <laughs> it's just unreal. And I've, I've, Anyway, never mind. I, Christmas has come early to me. I'm, I've just drunk half a bottle of whiskey whilst you've been talking, and I don't even drink whiskey, so... Um, but yes, no. I've been I've been earwigging on what you've had to say, um, and I'm not going to talk about the technical stuff. We're going out fine on certain networks. We may not be going out fine on other ones. It's just been incredibly odd and strange. So my apologies for that. You were talking about pilpul a little bit earlier, lark. Yes, the the wonderful art of uh, stretching a point until it breaks a thousand million times. Yes, this linguistic thing that they do. And, and I've always viewed that as being a key part of really the problem that we face, this bit that, that is wearing us down, the, the continual relentless communication side of things.
2: Yeah, um, Alan, Alan Dershowitz famously said that forced vaccination was absolutely constitutional.
0: Yes. Well, he's a, he's a good man, Alan, isn't he? He's nice. Isn't he? He's a good chirpy man. He's fantastic and uh, says all this really jolly, jolly good stuff.
2: Uh, you would think a Jewish attorney would be well-versed in Pilpul, huh?
0: You would think so. They kind of grew up on it. And of course, I guess it's an alien word to most of our kith and kin who are not aware of those sorts of things. You know.
2: I think it's a good thing that we become aware, and that's why I strongly recommend that you, list, you do a search... It's simply Pill Pole for Beginners. And uh, it's written by uh, Gilad Otsman, who's a musician.
1: Yeah, and he's jazz probably, guy. He's, probab-
2: he's probably a, a dual citizen of Israel and uh, England. But, uh, you know, he's, he's put himself out there as a public intellectual, and I think he should know. And he also he points, there's a link within that uh, article Pill Pole for Beginners to uh something written by a rabbi which uh extensively covers the topic pretty well
0: yeah have i ruined your re- flow i've ruined your flow haven't i
2: <laughs> no 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 it's just that i just think that it, it's useful that we uh understand it, that uh you know there's there's a word called polylogism and you can look that word up too
0: have you been reading the dictionary before you came on the show? what's going on? it's outrageous
2: (laughs) I read too much, that's my problem (laughs) and have been for many years Uh, when I was a boy I was a crossword puzzle enthusiast so what does that tell you? but yeah, polylogism basically says that uh, people have different ways of reasoning and we we have to recognize that and we have to look at the examples and i think it's fair to say that if you looked at say a christian attorney and the way who was raised in a christian home and you look at a jewish attorney who was raised in a jewish home i think that word polylogism has some uh effect some impact on term in terms of how these people approach questions concerning the law even how they approach argumentation and and tactics in court
0: yeah i think it does i mean yes. it's not the sort of word that we used to bandy around when i was a kid up north i have to say um it's not the sort of one that would freely flow from the tongue but you're probably right remember uh when we spoke the other day i'm just jumping around a little bit here it's still on the same thing i was talking about the britannica article on communitarianism and i wanted to just read a bit from it so this is uh, from the Encyclopedia Britannica, if it can be still called such a thing. By the way, the old versions of the Encyclopedia are worth getting hold of. It's full of stuff that's been removed, of course, like everything else. Um, but I just thought, I wanted to just read this out to anybody just stumbling in after the technical mayhem. And um, uh, I am going to have a drink heavily. <laughs> I believe, think halfway through. Let me just read this little bit because this got me thinking the other day after I'd spoken to you. Communitarianism social and political philosophy that emphasizes the importance of community how nice in the functioning of political life in the analysis and evaluation of political institutions and in understanding human identity and well-being Yippee! it arose in the 1980s as a critique of two prominent philosophical schools Contemporary liberalism, which seeks to protect and enhance personal autonomy and individual rights in part through the activity of government, and libertarianism, a form of liberalism. Uh, so all these isms, and then it just goes down to talk a little bit about the Bible, it says this there are strong communitarian elements in many modern and historical, political and religious belief systems in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament and the Christian New Testament well, that you see, that's nonsense that little bit there, there's no difference between these Old and New Testaments it's, uh, but people do think like that but then it quotes Acts 4.32, it says this now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. And uh, this word common, of course, I think it can be viewed either, well, it often is viewed in either good or a bad light, depending on how evolved or sort of perverted the whole thing has become. I mean, we had a thing over here in England, which was the, the loss of the commons, which was these areas of land, and this would be before the Chartist movement. I can't remember when it was actually. It'd be around about the same time. So my history is a bit ropey. But the the loss of the rights of common people, as it were, to use this common land to do things. And I I think a lot of this is just to do with circumstances. Uh, I think I may mention the other day. You know, if the three of us, or even most of the listeners, particularly those on Rumble, have got through this far, if we were on a sort of uh, if we were on an island and we had not much going on, it may well be that this holding everything in common was absolutely the right thing for us to do. But the situation keeps changing all the time, and therefore you have to keep on sort of upgrading things. I notice, however, that we are beset, are we not, with isms all over the place. Everything's an ism. There's capitalism, there's communism. We have communitarianism. Every single ism under the sun we have to absorb, and then we've got to discuss it as a political philosophy I personally find all this language really rather exhausting to listen to because I think when you when you leave people alone and they're not interfered with or certainly our people we tend to find a good way to live it's the politicization of all of these processes and I'm I'm just going back I've mentioned this before Chesterton, GK Chesterton's definition of capitalism I think is an excellent one because although there are people who champion capitalism Uh, most of us are not capitalists and never will be. And Chesterton's definition of a capitalist is someone who's got enough stuff that they never have to lift a finger because the stuff itself, the shares, the stocks, the land, the cows, this, that, and the other, produces enough income for them to live by and for them to get on. They don't actually have to work at all. And so by that definition, which I think is pretty good, no one that I know is a capitalist maybe Bill Gates is probably maybe Klaus Schwab is a capitalist maybe most of the people that we're facing against are defined as capitalists Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to just ask you really uh, Lark at this stage is how does this all dovetail in with Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 because it's obviously a key sort of tool it seems to me of their planned execution of their little agendas. Well, they're rather big, aren't they? But how do you see it as it fitting in and being a part of that?
2: Well, it absolutely fits in. It fits in with the sustainable development goals. Uh, Let me take you back to uh, just a few key words to help bring uh, the development of this thing forward. And we can start with, I think, something called convergence theory. Uh, Convergence theory was the aim of academics following World War II. How do we bring this world together in a modern age with the rapid face of technological innovation? And uh, in other words, it's not just about the law of, say, the Soviet Union and the People's Republic of China and the new European Union and everything else. It's about the culture, too. And uh, so... uh, Yeah, we can go back to the Reagan-Thatcher years, you know, for example, and the document known as the Brundtland Commission Report of 1987. It was titled Our Common Future. Well, this basically codified the language of sustainable development. So if you, uh, you know, when you talk about Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, we're we're talking absolutely about the language of sustainable development. And the so called 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Well, everything that's yep. occurring in the world today, do that. And then, of course, in 1992, we had what was called the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro. And that was, uh, that was led by Mikhail Gorbachev and more strong of Canada under the uh, auspices of the United Nations. And, uh, you know, what, I don't know how many countries, most of the uh, countries of the United Nations around the world signed on to that. Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason that's where we are today and so the what what i think is what really matters when we talk about uh capitalism and communism and all these isms as you put it it boils down to this one word property you know we, we had such a thing as social contract theory that we could contrast in history you know from say the likes of uh thomas hobbes and uh Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and, of course, uh, John Locke. And uh, so there's always that tension with social contract theory. But uh, today, uh, we have to be concerned about property. And when I speak of property, I think about the, uh, the space between your ears. I think about you, the psychophysical being, the physical being. Uh, it's not just the place where you hang your hat up at night. It's not just your stuff like your lawnmower or your car or what have you. Property is first and foremost the claim that you make with privacy, your ability to defend your privacy, but it extends also to can you can you if you're going to own property and you claim you make a claim to ownership of property then in this world today you have to be able to defend it and that's just the way it is but this is what we all stand to lose more than anything else is the right to claim of ownership of property how do we Ken- you know
0: what the, the word ownership lark is really interesting because um <laughs> I mean, you can sort of keep stretching.
2: But but do you own your mind? Do you own your body?
0: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I'm serious, right? I mean, I feel as though I'm the steward of it. Sometimes, by the way, I don't know about you, I have thoughts, I don't know where they came from. I feel as though sometimes my thinking patterns have been invaded by aliens from somewhere. But I think about those, um, you know, the Red Indian uh, approach that, uh, that you can't own things. And I think from a certain perspective, yet again, it's always about context. It's kind of what circumstances are you actually in? What are are the circumstances that you're in? And um, if you've got sort of a lot of land, as the Red Indians had, and you're moving around it and all that kind of, the the concept of ownership never occurred to them. So then, uh, you know, us lot turn up, and we've got all these laws about ownership. Now, I believe in ownership only in the sense of being able to um, rebut those who are seeking to own everything. Does that make sense? In other words, you have to own your house so that somebody else can't own it over you. But that's what the other side do. you know. And coming back to the banking system, my usual thing that I bang on about... Um, because we don't own the banking system and we have to if we're going to have any peace in this world then that cartel of people that do own it own it over us and against against us, we had disadvantage. But in terms of actually owning anything, you know, I go back to that thing. I came into the world with nothing, and I'm going to leave it with even le- <laughs> with, with with nothing as well. And what's that thing on the headstone that I'm going to have put on? You've heard this one. I started off with nothing, and I've still got most of it left. That one, you know.
2: When I think of ownership. I think of that uh, lean-to, or yeah. that hut, that tree house. Uh, I want to know that wherever I build that home, uh, under the law, I'm going to be uh, respected for that space, that territory. You know, don't think of thousands of acres, particularly. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for the place that I hang my hat up at night. And if you have no property rights, then what you are, in, in, in effect, is uh, an interloper. You know, you're a, you're a squatter you're a trespasser and you're a beggar and this is what And a lot of communists think that this idea of property ownership that tantamount to theft and that makes no sense to me because when i think of property again i'm thinking about my psychophysical being and the uh the lean to or the hut in which i uh want to raise my family and uh you know keep you know house my dog and uh uh you know grow my garden
0: mm-hmm. yeah. if
2: i can't have that then there's no justice in this world and we don't have civilization
0: no i th- i mean i i guess it's an, an ongoing eternal sort of discussion in all sorts of ways i just think circumstances change and therefore what you need to do change you know i've often thought Uh, Just going back to this sort of island analogy, if there were a few thousand of us and we all went to an island, we, we might well pick capitalism at that point to get things moving as quickly as we could. But once there's a lot of stuff around, it changes. I think it does. Otherwise, we wouldn't have these other ideas. However, just hold whatever thought you've got because um the first hour is an hour for me personally i would like to have all over again um but it's time for a quick song i think it is now some of you will it's actually it's not a song this is a tune this is prokofiev you will know this and it's a christmas type thing because you know i'm just going to lift the mood a little bit here so we're just going to take a break for about three minutes with this you'll recognize what it is here we go Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 talk radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.ZIL. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around
2: the clock. That's WBN324.ZIL.
0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners partners and other hosts or this network thank you for listening to wbn 324 talk radio hi and uh, welcome back to part two of the show uh, for some of us it's really it's really only part one to be quite honest um thanks for getting through the first hour if you were listening on rumble i think we've got the sound back up on rumble which was uh, lots of fun and um uh, i'm here tonight uh, we've got an hour to go it's just gone 9 p.m we're here on wbn324.zill and on Freefall Radio, South Africa, and on Speak Free Radio, and on probably Global Voice Network, I think, unless they're complaining about that, which they may well do. Uh, and I'm here with uh, Lark in Texas and Joss, who's nearby. And this is the first time we've got together, and possibly it might be the last, <laughs> considering how things have gone. But uh, Lark, we were we just ended there on the, uh, the end of the, the first hour, talking about capitalism and certain isms and stuff like that where would you like to take this conversation would you like to take it anywhere
2: well let me just say this at the, at the outset communitarianism is obviously not a word that's bandied about uh that we're familiar with that we hear or we read very often but we need to take note of it because if it's uh concomitant community they're tight at the hip we live in a world which is uh hyper connected we live in a time of instant communication in this information age and what i see today after researching this for nigh on 20 years now is that the language of communitarianism is so pervasive in our modern life on the internet on the tv in the print you see it everywhere you go but if you are unfamiliar with the language then you're not going to catch it because words that you hear that sound innocuous and seemingly harmless uh are just going to fly right past you uh you won't recognize them but like in the states for years uh when you Look at these Sunday talk shows on TV. And of course, I haven't watched TV in more than 10 years. But uh, they're talking about communitarian policy. And they're using communitarian buzzwords. But the average listener doesn't hear them. And so we can kind of liken this kind of talk to uh, the language of diplomacy, if you will. And uh, in which case, you're going to find your average television viewer, is going to think that uh someone that considers themselves up to up to speed on the news and uh, aware of what's going on in the world uh they're going to find themselves uh looking between the lines they're going to try to read uh between the lines to get the real drift of what these people are saying but for the average person the thing to recognize is that in this very fragmented uh world uh you know we consume more media than any other time in human history Mm -hmm. and so we have to recognize such a word that is uh useful to know and the word is mediascape we have to ask ourselves is it our thinking that is coloring our perspective in terms of how we navigate this life or is it the thinking of others which is doing it for us and uh that's a fair question
0: well, tend, it must be the latter in the sense that we don't have a voice do we do you think we have a no voice? and we, <clears throat> we never have will a have a
2: voice ever will have a voice so long as we don't recognize the enemy you know we have to re-familiarize ourselves with the art of war remember uh zunzu wrote that you may claim to know yourself but if you don't know your enemy then you can expect to win or lose half your battles it's only when you know yourself and your enemy that you can expect to prevail in all your battles and thus win the war. So uh, the truth of the matter is, is the people themselves have been weaponized against each other. They have been weaponized against each other. And it's all by design. People don't see this. I mean, the, uh, you look at the man that delivers the fluoride to the water treatment plants. He goes to church twice a week. He has three children uh they all uh get good grades in school uh he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a great employee employee you know but but is is, 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 if what is he doing he's poisoning the water supply in america they first started poisoning the water supply in 1945 in detroit
0: so why is he poisoning the water supply what's the chain of uh power that's forcing him to do that
2: what because do he's just doing, he was hired to do a job, yeah. and he thinks there's nothing wrong with doing a job and doing it well. Mm-hmm. He's a driver, you know. He's, he drives a tanker truck. But he gets but paid, deli- doesn't he? he? He does, but he's delivering a poison. Yeah, but
0: he's and doing it because he, paid, right? because he gets paid, right? Which is unnecessary. Absolutely. So we've got huge numbers of people are doing a lot of things that the world absolutely doesn't need, but they do it because they get paid. They get
2: paid. Absolutely. And that's what I mean. The people are literally weaponized against each other. Uh, Hollywood is weaponized against the culture of the people. Uh, Wall Street is weaponized against the people. Uh, you know, the, the, the mainstream news is weaponized against the people. It's designed to keep them at, uh, basically fighting amongst each other and arguing about a lot of nothing.
1: And it the works cost so of we- living. the living. Yeah, just let me chime in. The cost of living. The cost of mortgages, the cost of rent, the cost of keeping a roof over your head and feeding your family is weaponized against the average person today and and this is why so many people don 't think they 've
0: got a choice but to carry on. I think that 's absolutely spot on it 's that it 's it's what we would consider i suppose at one level a low level pressure oh i 've just got to have a job to pay this stuff, but the whole thing is basically geared towards that. I mean, when I was younger, I used to think, why is the price of this what it is? I couldn't kind of work out what it is. And then you you look at economics and they tell you, well, it's all to do with supply and demand. But I think we have a different situation now. I don't think there's any shortage of supply in a well-organized space. And I think at times we have... I'm talking about people like you and me. We've been able to organise our our affairs quite brilliantly. But the fact is that we flourish. If we're allowed to flourish, we invalidate the sort of political space where these people hang out. I mean, you know, for me personally, these people are redundant. They're completely surplus to requirements. You could see, like, when we have nothing when there was a lot of warfare going on, when there was a lot of tribes marching over one hill to beat the crap out of the next one. And, you know, this country's not short on history like that. <laughs> uh, it really isn't. I mean, it, you know, the history of, this, of these islands is very much about a lot of smashing of bodies up and things like this for power and control. But when you leave the people alone without that, we tend to flourish pretty quickly. And I think what we've now got, we've hit a point where, you know, these turns of phrase about politicians and being rude to them they're no longer just a sort of snide aside they're literally true these people are totally surplus to requirements and of course they're they're involved in actually maintaining a supposed artificial culture in which we are to be held down they have literally become our enemy literally they
2: are it and and also too we've all been brought up and fed this lie that this life is one of scarcity Yes. When in fact, when in truth, this life is one of abundance.
0: It really is. I mean, you know, like you were asking me about ownership earlier on. You were talking about it, Lark. And um, I just think, you know, I, I, I was hearing someone talk about gratitude the other day. And I find as I get older, even in spite of the fact that things have, have definitely become uh, mired in the gloom, that I'm highly appreciative of what I've got. There's something about it. And I'm really clear that I didn't build myself. I didn't bu- I'm didn't. i in a body, if you know what I mean. I didn't build this. And it's, it's mine to use, as it were. I'm a steward of it. If I look after it and don't get ill, like I did last year, it might last me quite a while. But this whole thing about being down here, running around with other people, and yet we're up against people who are absolutely obsessed with controlling everybody else. And, you know, what I tend to put it down to is their view, and maybe they're kind of, you know, they've looked at nature from a certain point of view. They go, well, someone's going to be in charge, and we're going to damn well make sure it's us, no matter what anybody else thinks. And, of course, we're dealing, I guess, also, with a very seasoned, mature situation down here. Uh, We've got long lines of families that go back centuries, if not millennia, who have become accustomed to... And absolutely will be unpersuadable uh, from letting go of that power. They're just not going to let go of it. Not without a fight. And uh, they tend to make us fight first before it comes to, you know, it lands at their door. That kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, I've been paddling around in my own mind thinking about Masons recently. It's not a particularly happy thought. But, you know, I view them as an absolute blight on my nation. I view them really as a blight on yours, too. Um, these people are running a society that actively works to undermine everything. And, you know, we were talking about not having a voice here. The COVID thing, which Joss was pointing out at the weekend when he was on with Ria, has been going in January, four years since this complete, you know, artificial event, but with completely real results got started four years i mean it's a tremendously long period of time and i should imagine most people hearing this i did when you mentioned it joss just thought that can't be right but then it is right you know we've been pounded for four years with this stuff by people that are just going to be in control no matter what and we don't have We don't have a voice. And I suspect, I don't think it's more than than a suspicion. I mean, I'm sure we could go and check it. The vast majority of of politicians are completely beholden to whatever the Lodge says. That's really the truth of it. Whatever the Lodge tells them to do, they're going to do it. And all these non-governmental organisations have got the same sorts of people in it. And that's, you know, the one thing I've noticed over this period is that there have been literally none, with the exception of a guy over here called Andrew Bridgen, Zero communications from the political class questioning anything about this, anything at all. There's literally none of it. It's as if we all know what we're doing, but but really, from my point of view, and possibly others, it's uh, we know what orders we've been given and we're gonna we're gonna follow them through.
1: Yeah, I was I was um, I, I was chatting with you. I think before we went live, I I did a show a couple of nights ago with uh, from London. And I had a guy, a guest, Wilsie. Well, it's it's more accurately, I was a guest in his house because I've been I've been laying floors for him. See, I I have to get my hands dirty like everybody else for for, for a living, you see. But I also do this thing called you know running running a radio show, and it's it's great
0: fun. But I. Anyway, Tears. by the by, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: even when it goes wrong,
0: even when it goes wrong, it's great. I, would, I wouldn't, I would have it any other way. I would actually, but yeah, you're right. It is great fun. Apparently,
1: um, yeah. I, I, I was, I was. Anyway, I was, I was chatting with uh, Wilsey. He he brought up the subject of Andrew Bridgen. Now, I don't. What what I'm about to say, do not take as a judgment at all, but. I question absolutely everything and everyone. And and I think we've, the the word, if whoever's awake, that uh, well overused uh, trope of being awake these days, whoever considers themselves to be awake, in other words, asking all the right questions, uh, we've all had a crash course in questioning everything and everyone. Uh, because we we do have this problem with controlled opposition, and you know, fine uh, You know, Andrew Bridgen. I guess he's probably a pretty good guy, but the first the first thing I do, the moment I see someone pop up in the headlines or 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 on alternative media sources, uh, somebody pops up and they're like, oh, it's the next big thing straight away. I'm thinking. Are you controlled opposition? Are you just another excuse for people to cotton on to everything you're saying and treat you like some kind of God which gives everyone the excuse to do nothing and trust the plan or trust in this next saviour rather than getting active yourself? I, and I, I think this is a very big question. Disease. We, uh, Lark uh, Lawrence, you you were saying earlier about learned helplessness. This is a very serious disease, and and it's a disease that I think people have become too comfortable with. People don't want to have to uh, stand up and take back what is rightfully theirs um when when i say what is rightfully theirs uh, first and foremost what is between your ears to know your own mind and to, to, know, sir, to expand on that and go from there please go ahead, ahead.
2: joss i maintain that so long as we remain fractured uh and we can identify the enemy uh i think about the the uh the uh the blind men and the elephant Remember the story. Uh, some blind men, sojourners, were told, they chance upon an elephant. And one blind man touches the side of the elephant and says, Well, this is a wall. Another one touches the tail of the elephant and exclaims, This is a rope. Another, the ear, well, this is a fan. Another, the tusk, well, this is a spear. Uh, the the trunk well this is a snake but nobody sees the elephant in the room for what it really is and that's why i say that this is the one word that exists in the english language that explains in one word what we are all witness to today and yet the average person will never look into this to understand its import and realize how it's really infecting everything Because, again, what we're talking about is contrivances of man. We're talking about money. We're talking about language. We're talking about law. And uh, we as, uh, you know, sentient human beings with uh, intellectual capacity, we can grasp these things. Okay? You cannot ignore the importance of this ism word, especially when you realize that it's tied to something called communitarian law. And it exists. It's not going away we have to ask ourselves, well, what the heck is this? And how does it impact upon my life, the lives of my loved ones? Well, it does. And when I tell you that really there's, I, I boil it down to just three words, uh, the overarching two-part communitarian agenda for global governance today. and. Again, they're twofold. Number one is depopulation, and number two is techno-slavery. And what is it we all stand to lose, which means all the marbles? It is property, one word. But when we go back to these two words, uh, depopulation is just a euphemism uh, for total war. Now, total war actually uh, is unrestricted war. It's not a moral war. It's psychological. It's economic. It's social. It's chemical. It's every kind of warfare you can think of that's not necessarily bombs bursting in air and bullets flying in the streets. And now, don't so. You, don't you think this techno- recent
0: period, Lark, has been very much about what you're talking? This use of what we perceive to be relatively small things but weaponized in every... I completely agree with you. I mean, every single thing is weaponized slowly and gradually. And everybody... I think most people, even the people that maybe we wouldn't say are awake, you know, that wonderful word that Josh was mentioning there, they have to sense that something is not right. Uh, I mean, you know, things started to go badly wrong, as it were, in this realm after 9-11. And it's taken them another 15, 20 years to, to weaponize it in this way. There's... um there's an article um about the revelation of the method by michael hoffman i've mentioned it here before and it's worth mentioning it now it's about how people become hypnotized and they become and and i'm also thinking about andrew bridgen really as a sort of sop you know oh there's a guy that's going to help us out I, i don't believe that by the way but i just mentioned him anyway in passing back there um there's a thing called revelation of the method in which what is about to be done to you or what is even being done to you is openly communicated to you. They do it in a very subtle sort of way. I mean, the whole thing about the sort of, if you look at the so-called communications of the WEF and the man with the biggest philtrum in the world, Klaus Schwab, it's got to be, right, it's enormous, that thing. Um, If you think about what they're saying, they're basically saying, we're going to ruin your life. And um because we s- seem to not have a way to get them to shut up, i.e. get hold of them by the collar in the bar and drive their head into it, which is what it requires, this is what, it, you know, we end up becoming sort of hypnotized by it. That was the whole thing. There's a, a wonderful word associated with it which is called abulia, A-B-U-L-I-A, and it means the complete loss of will. And I think... You know, really, you could say maybe, here we are, slight rarities, and most of the listeners too, we haven't lost our will, we don't want to lose it, we know that it defines how we're going to make our mistakes, you know, that's one of the things that really bugs me, we're here to help you, and I'm going, I didn't ask for your help, I don't want it. The, the problems I've faced are the ones that I've created in life, like technical issues, right? I created those. I'm res- I've got to figure it out because that's what I've, I've got to learn. I don't want you to step in. And I kind of, I've ended up viewing government in all its aspects, including this aspect and these agendas and all these non-governmental organizations, as like a super advanced protection racket. It works on a psychological level. You need us around. You need the jolly government around because we're going to look after you. I, I never invited you to look after me. It's not your job. I don't want you to do that. What, like you've looked after the schools and you've looked after the health system and you've looked after the British Armed Forces, which basically have been decimated. The way that you've looked after the uh, immigration issue, you want me to have you do more of that, do you? You think that I'm supposed to say yes to that? Um, and I, I suspect somewhere within their own thinking, they know that we know, but they're going to keep up because this inability or our quest to find the right way to correct this has not yet succeeded let's put it that way it's going to because I, I i carry that thought around don't tell me exactly how um but they know that we know and yet because it's not expressed we become i think the phrase is doubly hypnotized and i think we do There's there's a part of you that goes to sleep you know you were talking about Um, We talk about communitarianism, and we talk about central banking, and if you want to put people to sleep, right, in a pub that you've never met before, you start talking about that. (laughs) I've talked to people about banking, and they're nodding off after 30 seconds. I don't blame them, to be quite honest, because that's that big complex world that I'm not part of, and just leave me alone, and I've got to get on with my life. But, you know, I think it's the boredom factor of it is a great power of what they've got. They make it relentlessly complicated, don't they? Here's our 300-page report. Whoa, what are you talking about? I ain't got got time to read a 300-page report. We had a clip on here of um, Rory, somebody or other, an MP, really honest one. I haven't got it here to hand right now. He was talking about the uselessness of politicians. He is one, but he was talking about it. And he said often he's going into the House over here to pass a bill... Or to vote on it. And he's walking in with guys who said, what's this about? They've not even read it. And I think it's the same in the States, isn't it? They don't know. And um, he said, you know, any expectations you have of your political class is, misfa- is unfounded. They can't do these things at all. They don't have the power to affect these things. It's that force behind the screen that we've got to find a way of getting hold of. Easier said than done. But this is a this is a thing that's plagued us. A disease for many, many centuries. You know, I tend to think of the last five, five or six hundred years as being the sort of modern iteration of it. And of course, it's on steroids now with all the technical tools of wizardry that they've acquired for themselves to sort of, you know, micromanage our very existence. So, I think that's part of it. But abulia—that's today's word. It'll be next week's word as well because it's it's all over the place.
2: Yeah, I, I think, think just, of that word. I think of that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I, I just
1: wanted to jump in very quickly because the I think the last time uh, Lark and I spoke, this word came up and I, I looked it up, Abulia, Abulia, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, it impacted me because I realised just how much learned helplessness there was in my life. Yeah. And I, and I say that cards on the table the Slow incremental creep, creep, creep of page after page, just like you're saying, a 300 page report. I wonder who's actually sat down and done a 300 page report. Or did they, I mean, nowadays it's easy, you get chat GPT to do it for you. <laughs> we you need know, to you get think, it, but this, this, yeah, so they know nobody wants to read this. It, we, we perceive in our minds that. We've got this wall of bureaucracy and law stacked against us, and it's very easy for your eyes to glaze over, and to, for, for, for you to give in to their to their will and abdicate your own. And it's something I recognise in my own life. I just uh, I, I just want to say this one point because I've been I've been wanting to say this for about twenty minutes. I know this that i'm about to say is an oversimplification of things but i think for beginners for for people who might be listening into this show and you you've not really heard uh this stuff before uh for for, for newcomers i like to think of it like this and i and i have to give credit to a couple of guys who were, were regulars on my show uh two or three years ago um i i won't mention their name well uh, they they were known as the g-man and the gentleman with the titular appendage because they they never actually (laughs) revealed their true identity but lovely couple of guys but they always used to describe uh the the situation right now as as thus beliefs aside right god created man man created authority Therefore, there is no way that authority can be above man. And to solidify that in your mind will enable you to seize back some of your individual sovereignty, to to get that into your minds. God created man. Man created authority. Therefore, authority, and just about the world's most terrifying word, governance. Cannot be above you because it is a man-made construct. To use uh, the vernacular of some of these horrible woke creatures today, a uh, man-made construct, a social construct, man. But but it is, and we've got to keep that in mind and seize back our sovereignty. Right. I've I've said enough. Um, Paul or Lawrence, Lawrence, you were about to say something. Please go ahead.
2: Well. Uh it's, it's well and good, Paul, that you mentioned abulia and you too, Joss. But see, I think of them in terms of what I call the three A's or three A words. And they would be amnesia, abulia, and apathy. Remember, with amnesia, the collective memory dies. And with abulia, of course, we're speaking of the conditioned loss of will or exercise of free will. And apathy signifies our lack of concern or care. Now, here we're talking about a people that has been conquered, that has been subjugated. They've come under acculturation from something or some force, some authority outside of uh, their knowledge, perhaps, Okay. But when we talk about these three A's, amnesia, albulia, and apathy, what we're talking about is, indeed, learned helplessness. A gentleman by the name of Emile Durkheim spoke of this word anomie, A-N-O-M-I-E. This is normlessness, loosely, in other words, things that we accepted as being foundational to our very existence suddenly are uh made confusing and convoluted and this is how conquest of a people begins it begins with conquering them in their minds because slavery itself begins in the mind you know the two-part uh, communitarian agenda remember i mentioned depopulation or total war uh, this also includes things like uh lawfare and spiritual warfare but the second part of that is called techno slavery or technological slavery and uh you know the unabomber in the states wrote something about that mm-hmm. and his experience it's technological slavery is a real thing because see Slavery does begin in the mind, and remember, language, just like money, are contrivances of man, or technologies, or tools. A tool is a technology, and in a technological age, in this information age, it appears that the data, which will be the driver of this new kind of slavery, because if you control the data, then you have a monopoly on it. And now, all of a sudden, you don't even exist as a, as a psychophysical being because the only thing that matters is your digital twin in the cloud, in cyberspace, on the blockchain. And, you know, that's why I've mentioned to people in the past about this gentleman by the name of Sir Ronald Cohen and the subject of the uh, social impact bond and social impact bond investors. We're not having these conversations, gentlemen. They need to happen. Okay, because people don't even understand what's about to hit them. It's hitting them now. It's hitting us now. You know, this, uh, this whole idea of money and our place in this world, how we feel about religion or uh, uh, all of this goes and flies to the wayside. I mean, in a communitarian world, nation states are giving way to what's called market or biosecurity states. Nation states are thought obsolete in a communitarian world. And what is giving rise is what's called uh, the uh, regionalized, smart, data-driven city-state. So think about it. Nation states, bye-bye. In their place, the so-called uh, remember, this is a mental construct, market or biosecurity state. I mean, you've got to prove your identity. You you know, everything is conditional access, and you know, not just in cyberspace, but soon in the real world, because it's all slated to meld together into one. And... Uh, uh, we can go on and on on that line, but it's important to remember these three things. You know, this idea of depopulation being simply a euphemism for total war, and techno-slavery beginning beginning being actual slavery. Uh, but it's, don't yeah. you
0: think, don't you think, Lark, that it's total war and depopulation addressed primarily to one racial population group? Because I think that. I think
2: it, I, I think it's it's if you see everything from that lens, yes, you're going to think that, and you would be uh, you would be correct to think of that. If you look no, at it I, from I mean, from I can only go lens. on the numbers
0: they put out, right? We put the numbers that they put out, and of course, uh, the white Western European countries are the ones that seem to absorb this nonsense so rapidly, because we've got to help the world. You see, that kind of stuff is always going on. This um, pathological altruism aspect, um, that we must not be seen to be unkind to the alien or anything, because this is the most awful thing, and of course, the truth is that we don't want to be unkind to anybody, in fact normal English people are fantastic, I love them <laughs> you know, because I am one, not all of them of course, but the overall sort of I, I saw something the other day there's a guy that travels around a bit, all over Europe, uh, you probably know him, he's on YouTube, he's quite famous, he's an English guy he's a, a chrome dome, as they say and he's very chirpy and uh, he decided, I think, the other day, to take all his mates to Clacton-on-Sea, which is uh, the uh, Riviera in England. It's out in Essex somewhere, the Clacton Pier. And they went to go. They just went down to Clacton and to view it as if they were almost like foreigners going there. And he met people who haven't got up really, the proverbial pot to piss in, but their quality, their character and their uh, willingness to help one another was off the charts and he was saying this he said look these are normal English people right and many of them were what used to be known as cockneys i.e they would have lived in the east end of London which is now uh, I think minority English or minority British the whole of the so-called capital all of these things they've been shunted out to Clacton into these what were originally sort of you know holiday homes that that they've ended up living in and yet as people they were fantastic they were really really good you thought community this kind of stuff i mean in terms of fighting back against this stuff if that's the right phrase in terms of undermining it in terms of trying to administer a poison into those circles that causes them to basically tear themselves apart something i think about a lot do you have any ideas about what the route would be like? What, and Joss, too, I'm just asking. What Do you think it's a political process? Should we form political parties? Hello, you can trust me. I'm your local politician. All that crap. Do we do that? Do we form... I mean, I'm kind of interested in the idea of what an old-fashioned phrase called a consumer pressure group. But but it's to do it, we have to basically... I think almost like ignore all the intellectualism that's been fired at us and find a way to set our kith and kin on fire, not literally, of course, that hurts, but inside. I mean, there's a requirement to actually unleash passion and to remind our people over here, I can only speak about my own backyard, of, of who they are and what they come from, um, I mean, one of the things I've been covering here recently, just to sort of wrap this little bit up, is is the French Revolution, which turns out is not French at all. This wasn't a surprise to me. I went into reading some of these books about this, and I've read many things. Just like the Russian Revolution is not a Russian one. In other words, as a people, we're not prone to actually getting massively agitated unless we've been bullied into it. By other forces, usually our government, which you know in the last century marched Englishmen and Germans and everybody off to war to blow each other to bits twice in 30 years, you know that kind of stuff. Now, as you were saying earlier, the warfare is of a different type, but we're definitely in World War Three. You know, for those of us that can see it, we're definitely in that. So, as uh, what would you call as conscientious objectors to this? (laughs) Have you got any ideas? I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I'm I'm looking around going, who has got – how do we do this? Every time you see a little nascent political gr- group come together, it fractures very quickly. It's easily infiltrated by state actors and buggered up. Um, these sorts of things, you know um, – how do we form a people's movement, I think, is what I'm saying. I mean, I've got my own ideas, but I'm just throwing out as a question to both of you. Do you think about this? Do you think about where we take it from just, I mean, talking on air and doing these things is really important, I think, you know, to keep our souls healthy. It's like, um, you know, oxygen for the soul. We have to do this. But obviously, I'm looking around saying, well, there's a requirement now to do more. What should it be? What do you think? Go ahead, Joss. Well, I'm,
1: I'm. Thank you very much for saying go ahead, because I I just wanted to get this across and then hand over to you because you you, you know way more about this. But uh, first and foremost, uh, Paul, you mentioned a couple of words: abulia mm-hmm. and uh, lark. Uh, no, lark. I think you mentioned anomi. Now these are these are new words to most people listening in. So uh abulia let me let me let me let me find uh what i had uh, yeah so so i'll just do this i'm i'm not going to look it up again abulia is learned helplessness essentially a loss of a loss of will Anomi. i'll just read this out it's from wikipedia um let let me do this so uh, in sociology anomie is a social condition defined by an uprooting or breakdown of any moral values, standards, or guidance for individuals to follow. Anomie is believed to possibly evolve from conflict of belief systems and causes breakdown of social bonds between an individual and the community. Both economic and primary socialisation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll leave it there. But look what's being done to the West: mass migration, mass immigration. It goes on. We have been well and unt- and this, by the way, uh, this is not a slight against foreigners who want to make a better life for themselves. Okay, if if your country has been turned into a poo poo hole. Uh, paraphrasing Trump there if your country's a mess because your political leaders and banking elites have seen to it that it is that And then the same political leaders and banking elites have gone on to social media companies and said, hey, peddle the hell out of this idea that you can come to the UK uh, because the streets are paved with gold, it's the land of milk and honey, you'll get a free house, a free car, free money. And they they read this and they think, well, all right, we'll we'll do this, Uh, we'll we'll find, yeah, we'll we'll jump on some NGO boat and they think it's all above board, they don't even read realise they are being weaponized against us mm-hmm. and to try to communicate that. Why do you think Serco guards these migrant hotels and won't let anyone get near them? Do you, do you think maybe that, that there might be some fear in the higher echelons that a message might be delivered to some of the foreigners coming over here saying, look guys, we've got nothing against you we've got the same common enemy here they don't want that communication happening i, I think this is a big part of it but the, what coming back to the point anime and abulia these are these are new words we've learned um, as was the case with 1984 and newspeak uh the if we lack the ability to articulate our understanding of things... well, uh, the the answer's right there. If we lack an understanding of a situation, and we're unable to articulate that understanding, then we are slaves as a result of it. So, to be able to name a situation like uh, mass immigration, uh, and the, the, the cultural differences and the frictions that we find and how, how everybody's offended by something these days. and we, we all need a safe space and a cry circle and trigger warnings and we, we're, we're scared of our own shadows for fear of offending something. This is a condition known as anomie. There is a name for it. Now we can identify it and recognize it as a weapon. And I, and I think this, this increase of our own vocabulary is a, a very important thing. Um, it's, it's something to bear in mind. And on that note, I'm going to shut up. Lark, please take over.
2: <laughs> well, let me say this. Uh, Orwellian newspeak then is communitarian code speak now orwellian newspeak then is communitarian code speak now and other people have spoken of these things as new world order buzzwords or communitarian buzzwords Uh, the anti-communitarian manifesto and even if you do a search the definitive anti-communitarian manifesto speaks of communitarian buzzwords in the uh, appendices. But there's also in that book uh, something called uh, uh, Big Mother's Double-Tongued Dictionary. So I'm going to share with you all the email that I sent to you, Joss, and to you, Paul, uh, yesterday in anticipation of our show today, our time together today. And the subject in your email inbox is simply list of NWO New World Order buzzwords, written by one Julianne Romanello. Julianne Romanello is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, a mother of four, Roman Catholic, married to a gentleman I think who's a musician in the uh, oil and gas industry. She uh, she has her children enrolled in private schools, but she was a political philosophy and philosophy professor uh, for a time degree from baylor university in dallas but uh, uh, julianne romanello her website is hearts over hexagons hearts over hexagons and this is the title of her most recent entry and so i'm going to share with your audience if you don't mind paul what i wrote to the two of you Sure, yeah. We've got about
0: write. 10 minutes, just to let you know, uh, certainly on WBN and elsewhere, on the, on the streams, we've got about 10 minutes left. We can carry on on Rumble afterwards. I won't necessarily cut that off, but uh, we've, got, uh, we've got about 10 minutes left, just to let you know, Lark.
2: Okay, so I simply write, the first comment is mine, it awaits moderation. We're talking about this most recent post called List of New World Order Buzzwords, Hearts Over Hexagons h-e-a-r-t-s, heartsoverhexagons.com. I encourage you to keep this listing close at hand as a handy resource guide. Those who employ this kind of claptrap are your average unwitting dupes and useful idiots. But whether dupe or shill, the result is the same. Remember, slavery begins in the mind, and if you're going to take over the world, how best to do it, but with this tool, this technology called language. Yes, They act in consort as your frenemies. Friend and enemy. It's a word. It's a thing. We call them backstabbers, some would say. The good and decent man who gets up, goes to work every day, and supports his family. He delivers the poison that is mixed into your tap water. Real world examples of this same man abound everywhere you turn. And the end result of their handiwork is not anything good. Modern communitarian te- or communication technology makes these criminal activities increase exponentially. They weave their way into the fabric of, of our civilization and destroy it from within. So I think of this language as an example of memetic warfare and of parasitism. As Kali Lassen put it, he who has the memes has the power. Turns of phrase like terms of art often mean much more than they seem on first glance in ordinary conversation. I'm about to finish. In these cases, looks are definitely deceiving and deliberately so, as this lady so accurately spells out in no uncertain terms. So now you see why the sea people, the communitarians, that might be people you know and love, might be yourself, have this world by its collective throat and why they pose such an existential threat. So I'm going to leave it at that, Uh, but this is the thing. We need generals. We need men. We need people of good heart, good mind, to come together and let's identify the enemy and recognize that if you're going to take over the world, you've got to do it with a plan. Now, our, our enemy has a plan but what is our plan to fight back
0: i i think that's key because i think as a people i don't think we're very good at defensive measures or let's put it this way we're not we're not what we're good at is building things and we've lost our way or our way has been we've been diverted off of the path i mean if you look at it culturally in so many ways i mean <clears throat> religion is an awkward topic to talk about because it requires so much time to, I think, unpick an awful lot of the understandable misconceptions that many people have about it. And um, I'm not into it, per se, because I view it as a sort of dumbing down of what of what we're really supposed to be doing. I'm just, I can only tell you it from my stance, really, Lark, which is that I think race is the most important factor in everybody's life. And it's not really because I say so, it's because nature shows me that it is. And um, for whatever reason, and it wouldn't even matter if I knew what they were, I am of this race. And uh, therefore, people of this race are of supreme importance to me because without them, I don't really know who I am. I don't have a shared culture and language, and history to interact with for us to build up and retell our story. See, the founding myth of the West, and people get all worried about, well, oh, it's a myth, it's just made up. Well, my view would be that everything's made up. Everything that the other side are doing, they're just making it up. But they've got that sort of uh, horsepower behind the communication space to keep pounding Paul, away into people, you know?
2: Unfor- unfortunately, many people of your race have been enlisted to the cause. Okay? I agree with
0: you. I absolutely and, agree. I, I, and right. the,
2: here's here's the tell. These people don't even realize that they have been enlisted to a cause in which they have become and been turned into unwitting dupes and useful idiots. idiots. So remember, Lenin. He said, "We need all the unwitting dupes and useful idiots that we can enlist to our cause." And this is the this is the case in of the world today. The people that deign to think that they are the authority figures that, uh, that rule over you in government, uh, that were elected and or selected, these people are all made party to something that they themselves very often do not understand. And that's why I say the end result is whether dupe or shill, the result is the same unless we can identify the enemy and why it is the enemy because these people need to be called out for the fact that they are unwitting dupes and useful idiots they have been enlisted to a cause of which they do not understand and they are harmful harming their loved ones their progeny their own family members into the future and if we don't come together now as generals and realize what we are up against i fear that a hundred years from now our progeny are going to be spitting on our graves.
0: Well, we might not even have any luck. It's that serious. There might not even be any. I mean, my view is, you see, it's all of this COVID thing is directed against one race of people, and and the three people here and most of the listeners just happen to be in it. It's not directed at any of the other races. It's directed at it us.
2: El- yeah, what is it that Elliot said, you know, in The Hollow Man, 1925? Uh, this is how the world ends this is how the world ends this is how the world ends not with a bang but a whimper
0: well it's, it's slowly but you know there's all sorts of little factors i mean on a day-to-day basis what i do is i am disproportionately happy <laughs> i'm quite serious i engage with my kith and kin whenever i get the opportunity I just think that people need to understand that without a community, oh, <laughs> am I slipping in the wrong direction, but without that sense of a community spirit, what is it all about? I and mean, if we boil it down to really simple things, for me, and these are big things, what is the purpose of life? It seems to me that the purpose of life is life that's its purpose we exist because we come from a long line of people who driven by that imperative manage to keep having children and we just happen to be the latest lot unless you've already got children of your own which i do so you go there we go that's that's all part of that that's the main driver and the main driver therefore the main thing that helps us i don't know about other races i can't speak for them i don't try to upset anybody or anything but for us families are absolutely key we can't We can't exist without them. The whole quality of life comes from the family. So if we look at all of the laws and rules that have been laid down in our societies for the past few hundred years, it's to mitigate, undermine, and destroy families, which, of course, is a founding plank of the International Communist Manifesto. It just is. And uh, they've gone about... Uh, doing it in all sorts of ways the so-called empowerment of women through feminism yeah right and um the creation of the teenager which I've droned on about here before my dad who was born in 1925 is no longer alive but he had a good innings and um he wasn't a teenager though because they hadn't been created in the 1930s they didn't exist you went from being 14 or whatever into something else and uh well, there's, the, there's the little outro music and all that kind of stuff. So it's families that we need to, I think, is a key part of it. We, we need to recreate, restore, nourish and amplify and honour the whole idea of families because it's in families that we get that strength on a local level to fight, I think, against international centralisation. The, the local regions need to become ungovernable. We're just not going to have it. And, uh, but it must be done out of a sort of kindness to your neighbour, literally um this music goes on for a minute so we're just we've got about a minute and a half if you want to wrap up it's been great here we can carry on talking after the after we're, we're live on radio if you want to keep on doing that i'll keep the channel open um but uh, we've been here uh, with lark and joss and i'll hand over to both of you if you want a few final words we've got about a minute just under a minute to go
2: please joss go ahead
0: well i was, uh, yeah let, let me just say
1: this so we've we've learned a couple of new words two or three new words anime uh the lack of social norms another one from earlier in the show was polylogism belief that different groups have different ways of reasoning so anime has been thrust upon us through polylogism we've had polylogs uh <laughs> thrust upon us uh, this this is why we're in the mess we're in 30 uh, seconds yeah recognize it lark please like it
2: no i thought that was an ingenious way to uh recap believe me and i appreciate your recap as well paul uh i would just like to say thank you for the invite
0: we'll do it again this and, time uh, without the technical stuff uh, okay we'll do it we again across- yeah without technical nonsense yeah. again we're down to five seconds
2: yeah five seconds. <laughs> well it's nice we can reach upon the pond across the pond and uh have these chats and-
0: <laughs> we'll be back next week bye here we go Gone.